0: Hey there. If you like true crime stories and you love being in the great outdoors, you have come to the right place. I'm Tara, your host. Welcome to Crime Off the Grid. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Crime Off the Grid. I'm Tara. I'm Nancy. <laughs> and we're going to get right to our case today because, well, it's it's a lot.
1: So today we'll be discussing crimes dealing with sexual assault, domestic violence, and other violent behaviors. And this contains graphic content.
0: Yeah, so listen with care. Today's story is about a prominent member of the rock climbing community, someone who was considered a celebrity among climbers Named Charles Barrett, who federal prosecutors alleged is a serial offender with a shocking history of violence, harassment, and intimidation. His recent trial, where he was charged with three counts of sexual assault that occurred in Yosemite National Park, revealed a troubling and violent past that highlighted the dangers he posed to women and the dangers women continue to face in the outdoors. And I want to say that when a crime occurs in wild places for victims, The trauma and fear is exacerbated because of the isolation, little to no access to services or care, or even the ability to report the crime.
1: Yosemite National Park is in California's Sierra Nevada mountains and spans 759,620 acres. It was designated as a national park by an act of Congress on October 1st, 1890 making it the third national park in the United States after Yellowstone and Sequoia National Parks. Mm. Almost 95% of Yosemite is designated wilderness. It's noted for its outstanding scenery, including peaks, canyons, cliffs, domes, rivers, lakes, immense waterfalls, lush green meadow, wildlife, and forest. It's famed for its giant ancient sequoia trees and for tunnel view the iconic vista of towering Bridal Veil Fall and the granite cliffs of El Capitan and Half Dome. Yosemite is one of the world's largest climbing areas. The park is well known as a magnet for rock climbers, but even experienced climbers can be daunted by their first glimpse at Yosemite Valley's massive vertical walls. It's been referred to as a granite wonderland. The park is a world-class designation as Yosemite boasts huge granite slabs above the 3,000 feet. Given the exceptional natural beauty of the surrounding meadows, lakes, and forests, it is hard to imagine a better place for climbing. You know, Tara, when Dwayne and I are doing these national parks and checking them off our list, we went to Yosemite, Mm. and it is absolutely breathtaking when you see places like Half Dome and you're driving through those huge trees and things like that. uh, We spent two days there. There was so much to do and see and hike. And it was just, it's beautiful. It's just an absolute beautiful park.
0: Yeah, and I only got to be there briefly as a a quick work trip. But seriously, when I went through that tunnel view and saw the view, my jaw dropped. And again, I'm like, why? Why did we not ever work in this park? I mean...
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know.
0: Oh my it's, gosh. It's, so we have got to spend some more time there. Yes. We're going to begin with a survey that was conducted by an organization, Hashtag Safe Outdoors, about the prevalence of sexual harassment and sexual assault within the climbing community. In partnership with several climbing magazines and organizations, they promoted this sexual harassment and assault in climbing survey. And thousands of people responded. 5,311 to be exact. And that included responses from climbers from indoor gym climbing and all types of outdoor climbing activities. Wow. So the breakdown of responses was 49% male responded and 48% were female. Safe Outside defined sexual harassment, sexual assault as, first, sexual harassment, unwelcome sexual advances, and other verbal or physical harassment of a sexual nature, including catcalls. And they defined in the survey sexual assault as non-consensual physical contact or penetration, including groping and rape. And the survey was primarily a yes or no kind of answer required to the questions of, have you ever experienced sexual harassment or sexual assault? And they got responses from countries all over the world. The results showed that 47% of women who responded Said that they had experienced sexual assault, and 16% of men also experienced sexual assault. I'm not reporting on the wow. sexual harassment part of that. That's nearly half of all women who participate in climbing activities experience unwanted forced touching, forced kissing, and including rape while engaging in a climbing activity.
1: Wow, that's scary.
0: 945 respondents provided additional personal information in like free form comments. So, a number of respondents described being raped while on expeditions and organized climbing trips. Several noted that others tried to enter their tent uninvited during climbing trips. Some assaults occurred while in their own home or overnight at the home of climbing friends. And some respondents reported being assaulted after declining the advances of other climbers. These assaults included non sexual physical attacks, sexual assaults, rape, and attempted rape. And many wrote of being followed and stalked. And it appeared to the analyst of the survey that, hey, maybe there's a serial assaulter that might be on the loose. Safe out No doubt. Safe Outside was able to connect several victims together who confirmed it was Charles Barrett who had assaulted them. So following this, a victim actually reported to law enforcement.
1: So Charles Barrett met a young woman who court documents identify as KG and would become a subject of the current sexual assault case. Barrett asked KG, who is also a climber, to join him on a bouldering trip to Tuolumne Meadows in mid-August of 2016. On the first night that they were together, prosecutors alleged that he suggested that they take a walk from the busy campground where they were staying to a dark, secluded meadow to watch a meteor shower. Hmm. So Barrett led KG to an isolated area where he laid out a blanket and then shoved her to the ground and began kissing her aggressively. Hmm. KG told Barrett to stop and pushed him away. A struggle ensued during which KG's nose ring got ripped out of her nose. Eventually, Barrett pinned KG to the ground put his hands around her neck, and began strangling mm. her. KG couldn't breathe and thought she was going to right. die. He then penetrated her from the front and also from behind without her consent, wow. telling her, I, I can tell you like it rough. After the assault, Barrett led KG back to his cabin, where he slept on top of her all night, <sighs> preventing her from leaving. Wow. Can you... Imagine yeah. how scared that to is death so scary. What's that she woman supposed was? to
0: do? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. The following day, KG went for a hike while Barrett was at work in the park. She later met up with him, and the two hiked to a nearby waterfall. They sat on a rock near the water, and Barrett began to kiss KG aggressively. Here we go again. As she, I know, as she tried to move away from him, Barrett then digitally penetrated KG <sighs> without her consent. I know. This Just right. this is just awful. Yeah. Afterwards, they walked back to the park's employee housing area where Barrett assaulted KG a third time in the employee showers. KG cried and told Barrett to stop, but he pushed her up against the wall and penetrated her without her consent. During the assault, KG cried out in pain. Barrett then led KG back to his cabin, where he again slept on top of her through the night. The following morning, KG ate breakfast with Barrett and accompanied him on a hike before driving home. Now, on the way home, she called a friend and told her about the assaults. Not just one, but three.
0: Wow. Yes.
1: So in May of 2018, KG disclosed the assaults to an anonymous survey, prompting the survey administrator to contact her With another woman, so Tara, this has got to be that survey you're talking about where they seem, yeah, where they, you know, these sound really similar to each other. So she got her in contact with this other person whose name is S, initials are SF, who claimed that Barrett also had assaulted her. So KG formally reported the assaults to the Yosemite Park Dispatch on April 16th of 2020. She later explained to the investigators why she didn't attempt to run away or call for help. She later explained to investigators why she didn't attempt to run away or call for help. If she had, KG feared Barrett would have tried to kill her later. Barrett harassed and intimidated KG by sending her text messages designed to show her he was still aware of her location. Wow. And, and this got... This got so bad that in October of 2019, in part to distance herself from Barrett, KG moved to East Central Kentucky to the Red River Gorge area, a popular climbing area inside the Daniel Boone National Forest. A few days after she arrived, she got a text from Barrett, who had apparently heard about the move and followed her. Wow. And he said, hey, Know we had a weird time and don't want any awkwardness. And then he wrote, Hope you're crushing. So he also went on to interfere with her ability to find employment there. So here she moves to Kentucky, trying to start over and get get this guy right. in her past. And Barrett also apparently interfered with KG's ability to find employment in her new location. The owner of a restaurant where she applied for a waitressing job would tell, would later tell federal investigators that Barrett approached him and said that KG was insane and would cause problems for his business. Can you believe that?
0: Yeah. And this is very typical of stalking behavior. And when he was sending her that message that you were talking about, where he was like, I hope you're crushing it. All he was doing was enticing her to let her know, I see you. I'm here, and I see you. And that's very oh, yeah. scary.
1: It is very scary. Uh, according to the report, the owner said that he expressed concerns to law enforcement that Barrett was stalking KG. Investigators added this to their lengthening list of Barrett's attempts to frighten and intimidate his his victims. And, and I also read that that. Data shows that on um, men who assault women that show strangulation as a primary indicator of the intent to kill them yep. or increasing the victim's chances of death, and it increases it by 750%.
0: Yeah, that's not a made-up statistic.
1: No, it is not. So prosecution documents cite this is a strong indication of Baird's extremely high capacity for violence, including Violence resulting in death.
0: Can I also add one fun fact to that one that you just threw out there on the statistic with strangulation? Someone who has strangled a partner is also 700% more likely to become a cop killer. And again, we're not making up these facts and we didn't do the research on that. So people who have attempted to kill a cop have a 700% more likelihood that they have strangled a partner in the past. If that makes sense.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it does. That's amazing. So take somebody's
0: concerns, or if they tell you that they've been, quote, choked or strangled, take that seriously.
1: Yeah, that is for real. Whether they leave marks or not, that is real. Exactly. That is real. So although KG didn't report the assault to federal authorities until April of 2020, she responded to a text from Barrett after their trip and said that she no longer wanted to see him. I don't hang out with guys who rape me, she she wrote. Right. This angered Barrett, and over the next several years, he became obsessed with either winning KG back or terrifying her into staying silent. And, and I think that's why he followed her. Yeah. I mean, he was totally trying to intimidate her. I don't think he was trying to win her back. Right. I think he's trying to scare her yeah. into not saying I anything. I do
0: too. Well, a three-count indictment was unsealed on August 30th, 2022, following the arrest, finally, of Charles Barrett, who was 38 years old at the time. He was charged with aggravated sexual abuse and abusive sexual contact. So Charles Barrett, as we've already listened to, has a violent history. And at the time of his arrest, there was this tip line that was activated in hopes that other potential victims would come forward with information because they did know that other people had been kind of placed together because of this survey from similar incidents. And so they were hoping that some Mm -hmm. of those people would come forward and they did. And many of those individuals indicated though they were fearful of reporting the assaults by Barrett. Of course they were because now we've seen his behavior, but now that he was in custody, some did feel comfortable coming forward. That's good. Victims were very afraid. And why was that? Well, Just in general, for every 1,000 sexual assaults, 975 perpetrators will go free. Only about 361 victims ever report an assault out of 1,000. And the biggest reason is fear of retaliation, which was a valid fear with Charles Barrett.
1: And I think that also that they're afraid that they're going to be blamed, that it was their fault, that they're the ones that caused this to happen well
0: right there's that fear of not being believed and that victim blaming and shaming like you're referring to and the climbing Mm -hmm. community which somewhat was consisted of for lack of a better term good old boys they were supportive of barrett and if you wanted to go online and look up mountain project and then type in charles barrett's name there's a blog and a forum where there's a ton of discussion about barrett being accused of assault and there was so much rallying around him and victim blaming, and the fellow climbers would just minimize the claims of assault in the community in general. So, like you said, that fear of being blamed, there's that re-victimization, and the defense and court will use everything in a victim's past history, including sexual history, against them. Can you imagine? Oh,
1: absolutely. They Absolutely, they will. And then those climbers, you know, they just want to take that limelight away from them. Right. You know, the the good the good old boys. It's it's just like, you know, and then you get shunned by the climbers yes. if you're a female that reported. Yeah,
0: and that was happening here. And then there's the fear that police won't do anything. And I can't tell you how many times I hear the term he said, she said. And guess what? Do oh, your investigation, officers. And if there's nothing there, then okay. But you start by believing when someone reports that they've been assaulted, believe them and if you find nothing in your investigation then you don't and then this one really gets me very often victims don't want to get the perpetrator in trouble because that's what's said to them that's the pressure that they get you're going to ruin that young man's life you know instead of worried about yeah. the, a victim's life is ruined they have such a hard time getting past the sexual assault that happened to them and so they are told don't ruin that young man's life
1: and and also when they don't report it, and they think oh i'll just I'll just bury this, you can't do that no, I mean, you know it doesn't matter how many years go by you still that's still there. you just can't bury it or get rid of no, it. No,
0: it's very, very hard, very hard for a victim to do that, so after the tip line was established on the part of the park service, agents interviewed over a hundred witnesses or victims who called in, and I don't know the exact number, but it was well over a hundred they had to determine if the person they were interviewing was a victim and where did the assault actually occur? Like, was it in Yosemite or some other jurisdiction or were they a witness? And there was victim assistance personnel available to link those potential victims to appropriate services, regardless of where the assaults occurred. And by the way, assisting victims goes way beyond just giving them a phone number to a good rape crisis clinic There are victims' rights laws, and in this case, federal victims' rights laws that had to be afforded to victims. During the investigation, victims have the right to services such as counseling and applying for crime victims' compensation for out-of-pocket costs and assistance with safety planning. And they have a right to notice of the case developments and information as long as it does not interfere with the investigation. And they need help Mm -hmm. with navigating the whole criminal justice process. And this was a very complicated case,
1: Oh, it was a complicated case. And it just, it went on and on and on. Many states, many jurisdictions.
0: Exactly. And in this case, once there were federal charges, the responsibilities of victim assistance continued with the United States Attorney's Office. So they have victim specialists in every U.S. Attorney's Office. And these victims needed so much support to continue the whole process, even to continue to participate in the criminal justice process. These victims, particularly the one that came forward in Yosemite, are very brave. Yeah, they are. So about Charles Barrett, as we said earlier, he was a celebrated member of the climbing community. And he had written several guidebooks and was featured in many outdoor and climbing magazines. So he had this glowing profile in the July 26th issue of Climbing Magazine just before his violent assault in Yosemite of KG. And there's no dispute that he was extremely talented. He became an expert at climbing very young, but it was reported that he had a serious alcohol and drug problem, which started at a very young age as well. With all of that, it was reported that he had serious mental health struggles.
1: So there was a woman named Bonnie who started dating Barrett in 2005. And she said every day was Valentine's Mm. Day. She would come home from work to find her driveway sprinkled with rose petals wow. placed there by Barrett an exceptionally like you said an exceptionally talented rock climber and boulderer based in northern California love notes were hung from trees with messages like keep going beautiful girl wow he put he put more notes inside Bonnie's cabin which sat on a forested land near Truckee River When the weather was right, Barrett would sometimes set up a romantic space on the porch with a table and chairs, candles, dinner for two, and a mattress. He made CDs, you know, with mixed music on it. Oh, the old mixed tape. (laughs) The mixed tape, that's right. The mixed (laughs) CD with beautiful, written beautiful poems on stationery. And Barrett was 21 at that time which was 12 years younger than Bonnie. She never thought of dating as an option because of their age difference. Mm. But then he started randomly showing up at her cabin, making his interest clear. He was attractive, tall, and dark with broad shoulders and a big smile and attentive in a way she'd never experienced. Better still, some of their best times together happened to be in her favorite place, which was the outdoors. Yeah, so at one point, Barrett turned aggressive and violent with Bonnie. One evening, he attacked her, and he hit her in the head. She fell to the ground, and when she came to, he grabbed her dog and left her house. Wow. He went into the highway outside her home, grabbing the dog by the collar, and stood in the middle of a busy road. <laughs> Cars were honking at him and swerving to not hit him or the dog, and Bonnie ran outside and yelled, at Barrett to let her dog go. And he said, Oh, I hurt you. And uh, now I'm going to commit suicide. And so in the street, that was his, yeah. With your dog by car. Apparently. Yeah. So Bonnie said she didn't care what he did. Just let her dog go. So Barrett eventually let the dog go. And the dog ran into the woods next to Bonnie's house. She ran after the dog and they stayed hunkered down behind some trees until she saw that Barrett drove away. She reported the assault the next day. Good for her. And later Barrett was arrested. Good. So Barrett went to jail and he was released in August of 2007. And he continued to harass Bonnie. So in October 2008, Barrett harmed her again in an attack that I'm going to describe in more detail but he showed up unexpectedly at a popular California climbing area and beat Bonnie to the point of unconsciousness. Oh. And Tara, there were witnesses nearby that that saw this. Right. She reported the incident to law enforcement who arrested Barrett six days later, and he was convicted of felony domestic violence and sentenced to 180 days in the Inyo County Jail.
0: Well, that's nothing. So,
1: I know. Bonnie hoped she would never hear from him again. So let me tell you about this attack. So like I said, in October 2008, Bonnie had driven with her dog to do some bouldering in the buttermilks. And that was her favorite place to go bouldering. Mm. She was camping in her truck. And one evening, she joined up with a group of climbers from Alabama who gathered around the campfire. It was a beautiful night, or at least until Barrett showed up with his friend, Cock. So Barrett and Cock joined the group at the campfire. Bonnie tried to stay relaxed. Before long, Barrett started taunting her dog, the same wolf hybrid he dragged to the middle (sighs) of the highway a few years earlier. He squeezed its snout and revealed its fangs. Jokingly, he said, Don't do this to a wolf. (sighs) And And the dog growled. Yeah. So Bonnie repeatedly asked Barrett to stop, but he kept at it until the dog snapped at him, biting his pinky finger. So Barrett then started beating the dog, according to a witness statement given the next day to the police. The group went quiet. I can just imagine how uncomfortable that was for everybody involved. Bonnie says she grabbed her dog and walked towards her truck, planning to get the hell out of there. Barrett turned on his headlamp and followed her. So, Cock remembers feeling confused. He thought that they were just working it out. Wow. That's what he told authorities. He was down by her truck, and I guess she was trying to load up the dog, Barrett or Cock said. But all of a sudden, he heard this thud. Cock got up from his spot at the campfire to investigate. He saw that Bonnie was lying on the ground and that Barrett was standing over her, punching her in the head repeatedly. Cock rushed towards Bonnie as Barrett made his way back to the campfire and Barrett said, shit just got real. Wow. According to the police report, he told the police, I hit Bonnie. Cock helped Bonnie, who was regaining consciousness, blood coming out of her nose and her left ear. Barrett left the the camping area that night while bonnie stayed and slept in her truck she needed to go to the
0: hospital
1: yeah that's definitely what i would thought of too i mean blood coming from your ear you know we all know that's that's not a good thing but members of the group told her they would keep her safe and the group the next day drove to bishop to give their statements to police after disappearing for nearly a week and contacting friends to say that he planned to commit suicide, which that is his go-to. That's yes, his M.O. Anytime, yeah. Some, yeah, anytime something happens, I'm going to commit suicide.
0: manipulation was, it.
1: Right. So Barrett was arrested by Inyo County Sheriff's deputies. According to a police report, Barrett told the officer that he did hit Bonnie at the campground. When asked if this had happened before, He acknowledged striking her in 2006 at Bonnie's cabin. Barrett pleaded no contest to one count of battery on a cohabitant with traumatic injury, more commonly known as a felony domestic violence Hmm. charge, a crime that in California carries a maximum penalty of two to four years.
0: Wow, that's nothing.
1: I know. So Cock, his friend, later would tell federal investigators that Barrett asked him to appear in court and lie to the judge about what happened in Barrett's version of the events. He was trying to protect himself from the dog and somehow <sighs> hit Bonnie during the fray. But cock refused to go along with that story. It's
0: called witness. Tampering.
1: It, it is. And, and cock would be lying. Right. Under oath. Yeah. You know? So Cox said, dude, you crossed the line, and now you're going to jail. Cock told Barrett, just suck it up and deal with it. But as we find out along this story, Cock's refusals had consequences right. as well. So Barrett harassed him on and off for more than a decade. Wow. In January of '09, Barrett was offered another plea deal, and he was sentenced to six months in jail, and five years probation by the Inyo (sighs) County District Judge. The deal stipulated that if he violated the probation conditions, which included refraining from alcohol, which he's an alcoholic, and from contacting Bonnie, he could be sent back to jail for up to a year for each violation. Sure. So at least one of Barrett's friends believe that the deal was a serious mistake. Right. And this friend wrote a letter to the county district attorney before sentencing was announced, and he said his name was redacted from this transcript, but he made a request. And this is his request. Charlie Barrett is mentally ill. Asking that Barrett be placed in a long-term psychiatric facility instead of prison. Please do not underestimate how dangerous his illness is. He has the capacity to hurt or kill people. Wow! He could have killed Bonnie, and if his condition goes untreated, he could kill others.
0: Yes. Well, it just sounds like, you know, his (coughs) violence is continuing to escalate in frequency and intensity.
1: Nine months after Barrett's release from prison for the second assault on Bonnie, he allegedly attacked another female climber, and he would eventually (laughs) threaten to kill her. So a judge had granted Bonnie a protective order in October of 2008 stating that Barrett was to remain at least 100 yards from her at all times Mm. after Barrett was released from jail in June of 2009. This order would remain in effect until 2012. The judge also issued a protective order for her dog. So Bonnie, hoping to recover from the trauma of the attack in the buttermilks, was determined to get back climbing in the Eastern Sierra, and she called it her happy place. But the possibility of running into Barrett and his friends was always a concern to her. Climbing areas throughout California had become danger zones for Bonnie. One day in November of 2008, after Barrett had been charged with domestic violence, but before he was sent to jail, Bonnie decided to follow the advice of a court-appointed victim's advocate and her friends. She walked up to Barrett at the Buttermilks and told him he needed to leave. He was violating the protection order. She said he looked at me and laughed. And his friends just stood there. That was when I realized that they all believed the lies about right. me and that, Char- that Charlie had told them. It was devastating. To protect herself and minimize her debilitating trauma symptoms, Bonnie stopped climbing. She fortified her house with locks, motion sensors, lights, lighting. She kept mace in her home, in her car, and on her person at all times. She slept with a baseball bat under her bed and checked behind the shower curtain every time she entered her cabin. She said, I would be awake all night sitting on my counter and shaking, wow. waiting for something to happen. Yeah, Bonnie went on to say that in the weeks just before and after this arrest, Barrett called her home phone in the middle of the night, breathing heavily. She could tell, I know, right? How old is she this guy? Tell. Well, he was 20 yeah, at he's the time. So old enough know, to know better, young, but yeah. Old enough to know better, right? So she could tell it was Barrett because his number appeared on her caller ID. The drinking and the phone calls were both probation violations according to the plea right. deal Barrett signed in 2009. Yep. They could have landed him back in jail for up to two years. And should have. This was this, Yeah, and should have is right. This is the second time he'd violated probation. Mm-hmm. But in the years after his release... Bonnie says Barrett continued to harass her. According to court records, he was accused of sexually assaulting four other female wow. climbers between, between 2010 and 2017. Federal investigators said there could be many more victims who've stayed silent. Yes. Records also show that during that period, a 14-year 14-year period, starting in 2008, at least nine criminal protective orders or restraining orders were obtained against Barrett by four women who also said they feared for their lives.
0: Well, back to the the case in Yosemite where he had the three charges, they had a detention hearing for him, you know, whether or not he gets out on bail. And he was Mm -hmm. denied bail because he was basically transient living out of his vehicle he had that history of stalking and terrorizing victims and he had those protection orders nine protection orders and the four women that you're referring to he violated the protection orders on those so some court restrictions upon release were not going to keep these victims safe from charles barrett
1: oh not at all
0: so let's go back a few years prior to the sexual assault allegations or the abuse allegations from bonnie Yosemite Rangers arrested Barrett for DUI and other charges in 2004.
1: Following Mm -hmm.
0: that arrest, Barrett threatened the Rangers that arrested him, and he slit the tires on a personal vehicle of a Ranger and made serious threats. Barrett was concerned about going to jail, apparently, after doing so. So he he calls the ranger personally on the phone and admitted that he's the one that slit the tires. Yes, I slit the tires. And he offered to pay for the tires and pay the fines that he would owe in, um, from doing this, but he, sim- he did not want to go to jail. And by the way, he left a voicemail on the ranger's phone. So, you know, that with the heavy breathing you were just talking about, he's not the smartest <laughs> criminal, I'll say that
1: no no he's not
0: and the charges he was facing after this DUI slit the rangers vehicles etc was as the statute reads destroy injure deface or damage property that was count one count two Mm -hmm. forcibly assault resist oppose impede or interfere with an officer or employee while engaged in his official duties count three knowingly engaged in a conduct and thereby causing bodily injury or damage the tangible property of another. So basically he was facing charges of witness tampering and retaliation and vandalism. So Mm -hmm. definitely some felony charges here. I didn't see where he was even charged with the DUI though.
1: I didn't see that either.
0: Yeah. It's not in, in any of the court documents relating to that specific arrest. Barrett entered a plea agreement and pled guilty to just the misdemeanor, which was vandalism. But he still went to jail only for about six months, though, and he was banned from Yosemite for three years. And so that's kind of typical of what happens. You know, we, all of the charges that we could put on somebody or file against someone, a lot of times the assistant U.S. attorney will go, OK, well, let's do a plea here. But I'm very disappointed that he didn't plead to one of the felonies and didn't get at least a f- felony count with the witness tampering and retaliation, but only for the vandalism. even though even though he was banned for three years from Yosemite national park. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like much of a punishment to me, but I think for him in this situation where his livelihood, basically it was so important to be climbing in, in Yosemite Mm -hmm. and he was banned from that for three years. So that was at least one good thing.
1: So yeah, that is frustrating when they do reduce a lot of things just to, I don't know, make it go away. Just to get the plea. Yeah. Process quicker. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: later, kind of fast forward, when he was accused of these sexual assaults, he used his previous run-ins with Rangers in Yosemite to say, see, they're just out to get him. And he was playing the victim, which also was his M.O., And he had Mm -hmm. friends that believed his claim of victimization. So, again, back to blaming the real victims and shaming the real victim. They're believing this manipulator.
1: Yeah, and he must have been very convincing, because I read where some people also said that. Yeah. Okay, so November 2017, so Barrett moved in with a friend who lived in Las Vegas, his friend bought a house and he was getting ready to close on it. And Barrett asked if he could rent a space there. And the guy let him do it. He said he knew he had a checkered past, but Barrett seemed like such a nice guy. So he let him move in with them because Barrett said he was dating a nurse and he wanted to be closer to her and also do some climbing in that area for the wintertime. So around this time, the nurse Barrett was seen broke up with him shortly after he got there. According to the report filed four years later by a federal investigator working on the Yosemite case who collected information on other victims, she said she broke up with him because the abuse directed at her combined with the way he described past incidents of physical and sexual abuse involving other women.
0: She described
1: their relationship. I know. She described and probably saved her life, actually. yeah. She'll be tormented later. Yeah. She described the relationship as going from extremes where Barrett was loving and caring, love and bombing. Then he Im- we call
0: that love bombing. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: yep. And then he would like flip a switch and immediately wow. change and become physically aggressive and verbally berating her. Barrett also threatened the nurse. Imagine that. According to federal investigators report, He gained admission to the hospital ER where she worked by saying that he was suicidal. Mm -hmm. Then he got out of bed and followed her around the hospital, causing the staff to worry about her safety. The investigators also described Barrett phoning the nurse and impersonating a police officer to try and make her believe that he actually killed himself.
0: And is this ever working she, for him? Like, is this, does it work for him to fake suicide?
1: <laughs> uh, well, apparently not because okay. he get gets a lot of people stirred it. up. Yeah. But that's about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So this nurse said that she would come home and find Barrett sitting in her backyard. She feared to leave her home because he parked out in front of her house or down the street. Wow. He would follow her if she left the house. So the nurse obtained a restraining order in June of 2018, saying that she was terrified of Barrett, that he was going to kill her. In this instance, the police apparently couldn't locate Barrett, and the order was never served.
0: Wow, that's scary. Uh, that is just got yeah.
1: scary. So, you look at, you know, he moved there in 2017 and she doesn't get a restraining order till June of 18. So, all those months that he was tormenting her and, you know, just terrorizing right. her.
0: Right. Well, when you're a victim of stalking, like in several of these cases, you know, he adds stalking to the mix, the mm-hmm. burden is always on the victim to try to figure out how to stay safe, how, you know, the burdens on the victim to move the burden is on the victim to buy and purchase locks and, you know, figure out how to keep yourself safe.
1: But you're, you're right. Does they have to spend all this money to fortify their house Yeah. so that they feel safe yeah. or somewhat safe mm-hmm. in their own home?
0: Yeah. Or like, so, K- you know, that- moving all the way to, K- to Kentucky, the burden is on the victim to completely relocate, completely give up everything you love to do because of this person terrorizing you.
1: Right. Threatening you yeah, on a daily, on a daily yeah. basis. Most often, you know, and the, and the tactics of threats that he used, he was accused of things like death threats, physical and online stalking, you know, threatening to sue people <laughs> if they report that he raped them. Wow. Well. He broke in. He broke into residences. Um, the annoying calls from burner phones, because you know everybody's blocking him, so now he's got to find a new way wow. to call them. He he was trolling them on Instagram. He would make up false Instagram accounts and just talk bad about them. And and he did that to his friend Cock. That and Cock knew it was him, but there were several made up Instagrams and saying different things about him and. He knew that it was Barrett that was doing this to him. So spreading lies to get people fired from their jobs, impersonating a police officer like we just discussed. And he would also manipulate with these suicidal threats that people would would buy into. And, you know, Tara, even when he was in jail, he would do threats from there. So there was a call that he made to a friend in October of 2022 when he was in jail and they discussed what action Barrett should take against an alleged victim because they reported him. This is a recorded phone call from jail.
0: Ain't that that smart. Like we said, ain't that
1: smart. I know. I know. And Barrett said, Oh, something will happen. That's for sure in the courts or not. And Barrett said, According to the transcript of this phone call, recorded phone call, if I don't get out of here, I got people that I made contact with because they fucking put me here with murderers. Wow. And again, all recorded. Yeah. That that he did this. Witness
0: tampering, retaliation. Hmm.
1: Yeah, er- everything.
0: So there were other... Victims, you know, that came forward and agreed to testify in the court, even though their assaults happened outside the federal jurisdiction of Yosemite, they were permitted to testify under what's called the Federal Rule of Evidence 413, which is titled Similar Crimes in Sexual Assault Cases. And Rule 413A says, in a criminal case in which a defendant is accused of a sexual assault, the court may admit evidence that the defendant committed any other sexual assault and the evidence may be considered on any matter to which it's relevant. And I'd say these were relevant. So uh, a victim named or her initials are JV. So JV and Barrett uh, matched on Twitter in Bend, Oregon in 2015. So after meeting at a climbing gym, the two of them returned to the group home where JV was staying At the home, Barrett became too drunk to drive. So JV allowed him to sleep in her room, telling him, you can sleep in my room, but no sex, quote. And once in the bedroom, they did begin kissing each other consensually. But when Barrett began to take off his clothes, I'm sorry, again, we said this was graphic. JV pushed him away saying No. Barrett then held her down, strangling her again to the point that she feared for her life. Very similar to KG and penetrated her. Yeah. So the following day, Barrett goes on a walk with JV and tells her, I know I raped you quote, and she felt bad for Barrett and allowed him to stay with her for an unspecified amount of time during which she did have consensual sex with him. And let me just say, This is not unusual. Sometimes this happens. And there's reasons why this may happen where uh, originally you say, no, you are sexually assaulted. And then another time you do provide consent. And there's a lot of reasons for that. That doesn't mean that the initial incident was not real and was not a crime. And then there there was another allegation of a person whose initials are E, B. So they met at a climbing gym in September of 2016, after which they began a romantic relationship that involved consensual sex. And EB ended the relationship in December of 2016 because, and now if you're looking at the time, this is after KG's incident. So Mm -hmm. her incident was August, 2016. This person EB apologized for all these initials, you know, trying to keep it straight. They started this relationship in September. It ended in December because of Barrett's quote, emotional instability. But after the breakup, Barrett repeatedly called her and threatened to commit suicide again. He shows up at her house mm-hmm. unannounced and tried to get her fired from her job, another one. And yep. on an unspecified date, Barrett shows up at her house with, again, saying he's going to commit suicide. And when they were alone, he pinned her down to the ground with his full body weight so that she was unable to move or breathe. He then penetrated her while she told him, get off. And she states that Barrett later assaulted her two more times in a similar similar manner, but she's unable to recall when the assaults actually occurred. So EB claims that Barrett had never restrained her previously during consensual sex, but then he did. So after the first assault, <laughs> so it's a little probably confusing for her to her. Um, right. You know, right. It, it was consensual until it got violent. Right. Yep. And after the first assault, Barrett returned to EB's house multiple times and threatened to kill himself and her. So now we've moved from suicidal threats of suicide to suicide and homicide. And by the way, in a Sort of a domestic violence abusive relationship, you just increase your chances of being killed. Homicide chances go up a huge amount if you're suicidal. So there's a fine line between making claims of suicidal ideation and homicide. At one point, law enforcement served Barrett with an emergency protective order, and Barrett told EB that if she pursued charges against him, he would ruin her life and, quote, do unspeakable things to her. So, eventually, he pleads, Nolo Contendere, Contendere, Nolo Contendo, how's that pronounced? He pleads, Contendere. He pleads no contest to, There you go. misdemeanor <laughs> trespassing, based on this conduct. Oh, man. And, you know, like we said before, there's a lot of reasons why people don't come forward with these allegations of assault, because it is, in it, it is extremely difficult to go through the court system with saying all of these things in front of jury of strangers and defense attorneys and prosecutors and the judge. So if this is what it would take to get him guilty of something, this is what a lot of
1: victims do. But then research on Barrett's legal history, this is what I found fascinating is how often he'd been offered deals. Yes. I mean, and several attorneys were consulted and people with years of experience litigating these kinds of charges that Barrett faced. They weren't surprised. They said that there's always pressure in criminal cases to reach a deal instead of going through a costly trial. Right. And, and I'm like, and just goes back to just what you said. You put yourself out. You've been through this traumatic situation. You put yourself out there to have this guy convicted of it. And they end up pleading it down yeah. to trespassing yeah. or some other small misdemeanor.
0: Yeah. Well, in uh, federal cases, and these, these prior to the Yosemite, uh, uh, the witnesses to the Yosemite case weren't federal, but in federal cases, um, the U.S. attorney... Or assistant U.S. attorney must by law confer with the victim. That doesn't mean the, the prosecutor has to do what the victim wants or what the victim says necessarily, but they do have a conference. And so sometimes these plea agreements, um, the victim should be included and they usually, if if this is where it goes, this is probably, they're probably okay with that because it spares them Uh, Some trauma for the time being, but when this guy's not in jail for very long Then the trauma is back and you can't You have to be concerned for your safety for until he ever goes to jail again for something But at least in this case this guy's in and out of jail a lot
1: And you're always looking over your shoulder. You never know you don't know what he's saying about you You know, it's just yeah, it's just a vicious circle. Yeah So bonnie and many other women had to change their daily routines you know, not going climbing, not leaving their house, putting dead bolts on the doors, yeah. cameras, lighting on the outside of their homes, going off social media, blocking phone calls, changing their numbers, relocating. Yeah. Bonnie slept with a baseball bat under her bed, checked behind her shower curtain every time yeah. she came home. After Barrett was arrested in August of 2022, Bonnie started climbing again Good. for the first time in more than a decade. Good. She... She has not yet returned to the buttermilks, a place that remains extremely triggering for her, but she says she's working up to it. She's going to try and return to that. And while she no longer sleeps with a baseball bat under her bed, she still checks behind the shower curtain. And a large part of Bonnie's adult life has been consumed by trauma. But what worries her most is what Barrett has done to younger, more recent victims, Mm especially if there are some who are reluctant for whatever reason or the reasons you and I talked about to come forward. Right. And she said I have three words for those women. I believe you. Yes. So in January of 2024, Barrett was found guilty on the three counts of sexual assault. Sentencing will for him will be May 2024. And he could face up to a lifetime in prison.
0: Hopefully. It is eerie how similar all of these instances were. And but for hashtag safe outside, this may never have happened. No one would have put two and two together. And this guy would still probably be allowed to go on with his serial violent behavior.
1: Oh, yeah, that survey was absolutely amazing. And kudos to them, because, you know, after four years of having that survey out, you know, they actually had somebody that was convicted.
0: Right. I wanted to point out that, you know, in this case, specifically the Yosemite case, which the incident occurred in 2016, and reporting didn't occur until 2020. In general, with sexual assault, it's so typical, delayed reporting is normal. and. Nobody deserves to be assaulted, period. But unfortunately, it's about risk mitigation and being proactive with your safety. You know, just like other activities you do, you know, today we talk here about being out in wild places. You prepare for prevention of dangers that you might encounter. And just like telling somebody where you're going and taking a device like a Garmin or InReach in case you get lost or injured. Here's some things mm-hmm. you should know about sexual assault in general and what to do if something happens to you. 60 to 70% of all sexual assaults are non-stranger assaults, meaning someone that's known to them. And we used to call it date rate, but that's not accurate. And nearly 70% of all sexual assaults involve drugs or alcohol. So keep your wits about you and pay attention to someone who appears to have too much and watch out for your friends. Seriously, check on each other. Keep the buddy system. But what to do if you actually have been sexually assaulted, especially in, a, in wild places? First off, you have to do whatever you have to do to keep safe. And it may be screaming fight back. It may be that it's more dangerous to fight back. You know, either way, do what's necessary for you to survive, whatever your instinct is telling you. So I'm not going to say you have to fight back. And if that means the next day you're forced to go on a hike with your perpetrator, hopefully you don't have to do that. But just to make things be as normal as possible so that maybe you're not assaulted again, then that's what you have to do. And just because you don't fight back or scream doesn't mean it wasn't sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Get out of the environment as soon as possible if you can. Tell someone, you know, as soon as possible, can you get a ride or how far of a hike is it to get help? Don't stay in a dangerous situation just because you're worried about being polite. And if there's a chance of evidence or fluids on your body, get to a healthcare provider who can collect that evidence as soon as possible. That doesn't mean you have to report to law enforcement. That's what we call a blind report. You may change your mind in six months or two years about reporting the crime, but that evidence will actually be there. And the Violence Against Women Act ensures that you cannot be billed for a forensic exam or what we call rape kit of any sexual assault. And the Violence Against Women Act also ensures you get treatment to hopefully prevent STDs or STIs, do pregnancy testing, so you can actually get care and some assistance. You
1: know, Tara, that's really good to know because if you. Do go to the hospital and they do run the tests and you're not ready to report it, then like you said, the evidence is there six months or two years down the road. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like most people are not able to report. It's very, very difficult. You just suffered a trauma. And the last thing you want to do is to tell some cop, male or female, it doesn't matter, the most vulnerable thing that has happened to you ever and in great detail. That's very, very hard to do, but get that evidence, right? get that evidence preserved. Seek a crisis counselor or a victim advocate. And there's so much evidence to support that engaging with victim services can get you the resources you need to be on your way to healing for the traumatic event. And a community-based victim advocate has strict laws to ensure anything you tell them is confidential including talking to the police. They can't share with the police anything that you have told them. We hope that you do, because we would like to have predators like Charles Barrett off the streets. But if you are just not able to at this time, you don't have to.
1: Yeah, don't keep it inside. I mean, you got to tell somebody. Exactly.
0: Keep any text messages you had keep your social media, take screenshots, anything that can also be evidence that the assault took place. And that went a long way in this case to making sure Barrett was found guilty. So mm-hmm. you can go online and search r a i n R-A-I-N-N, which stands for Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network. And they can link you to resources in your area. If this is happening to you, or you know someone that this has happened to. Also in the case of what, Similar to what Bonnie was going through in a domestic violence situation, if any of that sounds familiar to you, call the domestic violence hotline. Just look that up, and we'll have those links in today's show notes.
1: You know, Tara, it's amazing how, in this day and age, that there are so many resources out there to help people that have been sexually assaulted, yeah. and it just seems like it it gets better and better all the time. So yeah, if you can't tell a family member you can't tell somebody you can certainly call one of them and and tell somebody instead of holding it in. Right,
0: right, because you're just not going to be able to heal if if you're not able to get that help. We got the information for this case from actual court documents and from an in-depth article from outside magazine, from an investigative reporter who did a phenomenal job. There's so much more to this story <laughs> that we just couldn't, <laughs> we just couldn't include it all today. So check out the article dated February 1st, 2024 to get more information. If you're interested, I know this was a lot. <laughs> Thanks everyone for sticking <laughs> with us today. And as usual, After a case like this, we like to change our brains a little bit, you know, hopefully leave you. So maybe you won't have to dwell on the horrors of a case like this for the rest of your day. And I think Nancy might have something (laughs) she can share. So
1: I got I got a little funny for you. Okay. So, you know, they always say this is what this has always been said. Don't run with bagpipes. Because if you fall, you could get killed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's lots of jokes out there and you picked a bagpipe joke. <laughs> okay. That's, that's cute. I, that sounds like something you might've gotten from your husband. That sounds like a joke. Sally. I looked on his, on his, uh, by the way, Dwayne Martins. I looked on his uh, Facebook and uh, page and, He actually posted some funny dad jokes. I thought maybe you were going to pick out one of those. No, I didn't do
1: that.
0: And I liked him on on Facebook uh, because he is so funny. All right. That's it for today. So stay safe in wild places and watch out for the company you keep.
1: And if you see something, say something. Absolutely.